Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah. This is Nancy Daw from St. John's, Newfoundland, and you're listening to my absolute favorite, The Tennis Podcast. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for those lovely words. How about this? Every day we get told we're somebody's favourite tennis podcast, Catherine. Who'd have thought? It's almost as if we've just encouraged this. And uh, frankly, that's exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) Someone from Newfoundland, no less. Or Newfoundland, as I'm now going to try and retrain myself to pronounce it. That's where the good dogs come from. Is it? What's good about them? They are big and cuddly and fluffy. And uh, do, do you remember Caesar? May he rest in peace. Juan yes, Martín del Potro's yes. lovely dog. Uh, he was in Newfoundland. Oh, well, okay, mm. actually, okay. Yes, now that was a, a splendid dog. The Juan Martín del Potro of the dog world. So, Nancy, congratulations for being from there. Yes. Um, so, Nancy Bactors in our Kickstarter, thank you so much. And to all the others that have introduced the show this week, um, we really appreciate it. And um, yeah, that's why we're here, uh, able to do this every single day of the ATP finals. And we've got a few more to go. Today was a funny old day. We, we kind of previewed it, didn't we, last night, in as much as the afternoon looked like a. Uh, there wasn't much mean, meaning to it. There was just no meaning. That there, there were dead rubbers. Uh, after all, the both the doubles and the singles, and then the evening session, we always knew was going to be a knife edge type scenario. You win, you go through. You lose, you go home. Like like a normal tournament. Um, let's start there, shall we? Because Rafael Nadal has beaten Stefanos Tsitsipas in three sets. It wasn't. Like last year's win, though, I didn't feel. I, I, I thought it was a. I mean, I thought Nadal played really well overall, but I mean, obviously the, there's no crowd. But last year they played a three setter, and and it was just epic, wasn't it? Every every point felt like a a saga. This this didn't feel like that to me. What did it feel like to you, Catherine? No, I felt like Stefano Sitsipas could have been prepared to die out there tonight and it still wouldn't have been enough um he he cannot get close to the nadal serve i know there's the anomaly of the fact that 
He is beaten in once on clay um, in Madrid in 2019. But let's just take that out of the equation. And, and it's possible it's possible that Tsitsipas has a bit of an Nadal problem um, and one that he's not getting any closer to solving. I think it's more than possible. Mm. I think he has a Nadal problem. Mm. Uh, and I think it's a pretty big one. And look, it, it's, it's okay to have a Nadal problem. Nadal is really, really good, you know, most of the world has had an Adal problem for 15 years, but he's not getting closer, it would seem. No. And and Sitsipas thinks he's got a Nadal problem, doesn't he? I mean, he, he he's it, it, it but it, it, I suspect he, having seen his press conference, we'll talk about that in a minute. I think he will be going away and obsessing for the next six weeks about how to solve his Nadal problem. Um, Matt, you 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 watched it. It what what jumped out at you from that match? Well, yeah. I mean, firstly, if you've got a Nadal problem, you've got a bit of a men's tennis problem, haven't you? Really, because Nadal is always going to be there. He's he's a constant block. If you can't overcome Nadal, you're going to struggle to win the biggest tournaments. I would I would suggest certainly at the moment for the next year or two while yeah, Nadal's exactly around anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sort of short term that is going to be very interesting to see whether. Sitsipas can overcome it. I think actually on it's one of those ones where on clay, I think he's got so much more time to return the serve and he can step back and take some swings. Maybe that actually does help him against Nadal, but I completely agree with what you said, Catherine. He just didn't didn't get near Nadal's serve really for the whole match, other than a fifteen minute spell, which was weird and bizarre, and suddenly he broke Nadal twice twice in a row three times in a row maybe it was a very very strange portion of the match um but i guess my main takeaway was kind of comparing it to team nadal because that was the match we saw most recently and it felt like team had a sustained threat against nadal whereas sitsapas to me felt like he was relying on little moments and flashes of when his game was on and hoping that that would be enough to get him through i didn't I didn't see a complete game plan really from him. And I'm, I think it feeds into this wider thing of him being a bit confused about how to play Nadal. And therefore it just always felt to me like Nadal would win that match. And in the end, he won that third set pretty, pretty comfortably after after a shaky start. Mm. It's felt like a smash and grab, that second set, mm. didn't it? He, you did a great uh, pickpocket gif uh, yes. on our on our Twitter to summarise how Sitsipas won that second set because it, it didn't look remotely likely that he was going to break the Nadal serve. Um and then he then he goes and breaks the Nadal serve. But it was it was an anomalous spell of the match and never never really felt like it was going to be decisive somehow in the result. Mm. I'm going to talk about the press conference in a minute, but I've got to ask you, Catherine, why are you pulling out clumps of hair? (laughs) (laughs) You know, at the end of every podcast, uh, when Catherine's presenting live television, once in a while, she'll just say, oh, do you want me to to take my eyelashes off? And uh, Matt and I have never seen this before, so it was quite an eye-opener. But now we're, we're seeing something we've never, ever seen before. I haven't anyway. Are you familiar with the word weft? No. One of my favourite no. words, a weft of hair. No, they're, what's they're, that? they're strips of hair extensions. 
Oh, which right, okay. It looks like you're sort of trying to locate them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are clips. There are little clips, and you have to find oh the clips and and unclip them in order to to remove. They're very good, aren't they? I mean, they look mm. like your mm. real yeah hair. Yeah, they're very clever these days. I'll take my lashes off in a minute, and I'll look different, substandard again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, Catherine's been presenting live television all day and uh, doing a splendid job. Um, and, uh, and yeah, this is the, this is the real-life aftermath uh, that, we, uh, that we're going to see on our Zoom chat. Um, so this press conference that, that's, uh, that I and Matt attended afterwards with Sitsapass, just really interesting because you'd had quite, quite a good chat, I thought, in the studio on Prime Video about, about Sitsapass's Nadal problem and Sitsapass's blind spots generally and the the view seemed to be that he he has an issue with his return of serve and we've talked about one or two things with his game over the course of time Mary Carrillo's talked about how he had to sort out his serve so that he's not requiring footwork in order to 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 connect with the ball um and yeah he's he does seem to lack a threat with certain returns of serve and and he he was very keen to get into the off season and start working. I mean, the, the, there's no question mark over that. Is that his desire to to improve? Um, but you know what really struck me in that press conference was when he was asked to compare and contrast last year. And we talked about his answer the other day, where he just said the difference is people between him winning this title and and the environment now but he really went deep on this issue of how out of character (laughs) he went really deep on this issue of bubble life which obviously he's been part of for a few months now and and he really opened the door on that to me i feel like most players and i'm sure i would do the same if i was in their position they just positively affirm their ability to handle it and just get on with it. And it's great that we can play and, and all that sort of thing. And, and Sitsipas has been doing that too. And he actually spoke about feeling that it was a real achievement in his words. I'm very happy I didn't break down, he said. You know, you're you're in a hotel room all the time. The tournaments are doing their very best to to put things on for you in the receptions and stuff like that in the hotel grounds just to try to give you things to do but it's it's very difficult to handle he said he said it feels very dark and and his final words were it's very lonely and and i thought you know that's that's really interesting the way he's expressed himself because he he is a loner i feel amongst his peers at least he's got a very very tight-knit community of of friends and family and he he said I'm just so glad I've got my friends or my family the closest people to me in the world to travel with me all the time I you know we often talk about oh does should his dad keep his distance should his mom not be there well I think for his mental health he's he's got something there that can help him get through this at the moment Mm. but he's as much as he's 
he's seemingly an, an, an introvert and in some ways a loner and you'd, you'd think mm, that personality type might be, you know, on paper better suited to this sort of bubble life, if you like. I, I think on, on the other side, he's somebody that that feeds off the world, isn't he? And gets his energy from yeah. experiencing the world. I think I think he, he does that. You know, a lot of tennis players, and I've been guilty of this with, you know, the elements of travel that I've done with this job. It's just hotel room, taxi, tennis venue, maybe a dinner here or there. Playing tennis on tour isn't like that for for Stefano Sitsipas. I think he is in the way that extroverts draw their energy from spending time with other people in social scenarios. I think Stefano Sitsipas maybe draws his energy from the vibrancy of of the world. God, I'm sounding sort of pretentious and profound, a la Stefano Sitsipas, aren't I? I? I know you didn't get to go to the press conference, Catherine, but that's pretty much what he said, right? Isn't it, Matt? Well, we're, he, we're he was... on a level, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he used the word unfulfilling to describe the year, and I think mm. he was talking there about both in terms of tennis, not having it for five months, and then also when he's been back on the road playing tournaments, that experience has has felt less. And, um, yeah, he, he really was open and reflective about it. And I think we've heard rumblings, haven't we, from, from other players about the difficulty of these last few months going from bubble to bubble and, yeah, kind of the loneliness of it. The, I think the increased loneliness, I think sometimes the tennis tour can be quite lonely anyway, but it's, it's even worse now. Um, and I actually have been surprised that we haven't heard more players talk about it in those terms because I'm sure a lot of them are are feeling it and I guess Sitsipas has just been maybe bottling it up for a few months trying to do what he thinks will help his performance on court the best but obviously this is his last match of the season it felt like a moment that he he took to open up a little bit and it does make me stop and reflect a little bit on these last few months and just think how many conclusions can we actually draw about these players and these results at this time? I, I'm sure this this moment we're experiencing is re, is revealing a lot about people's character and how they deal with situations. But you know, fingers crossed, it's not always going to be like this. And you know, when you look at the results Sitsipas has had, maybe in terms of the overall pitch of his career these last few months maybe won't be reflective because he's not been able to be himself or feel like himself while he's on the tour. So not that I'm being sort of harsh or critical on anyone, but it does feel like it made me think that I should be cutting players even even more slack perhaps than, than I necessarily have been. Um, just because I think it has been very, very difficult for a lot of them. Hmm. Actually, I feel like that's one area in particular that Nadal from the very hmm. first moment has been completely in tune with the environment that we're in, the the circumstances, and has spoken appropriately. And he did so again after today's match, but not before reacting to his victory with such glee and excitement. And it's it's probably my favourite thing about Rafael Nadal is that unfettered excitement of winning a tennis match when he's already won more than a thousand of them <laughs> in his in his professional career. Just, I, can you ever imagine him being jaded with that winning moment? And that's no, 
No. And, and, That's and such to, an uplifting today, thought, isn't it? He's unjadeable. I mean, he, 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 he'd won and he just immediately jumps into the air, fist clenched, but in but not in sort of defiance or, or any anything like that. Just just such joy looking over at his support team. I've done it. I've done it. And his ability to just not take for granted that he's going to do it. Nobody does that better uh, in tennis. And, um, sport? And he... No, I think you're right. I, I'd agree with that, I, and I think it was um, it was on a podcast during uh, during the French Open when we were talking to Ted Robinson, the, the the sports broadcaster who's covered all the American sports, and he was saying that you know he talks to other coaches in other sports about Rafael Nadal because he's never come across anything like it. Uh, this uh, the best body language athlete ever, he said that he'd ever covered, and he's covered a lot. Um, and his tennis is is pretty much there. I, I thought that comparison you made, and it occurred to me during watching the match between Team and Sitsipas. These these stylistic match differences. The fact that Team has the the velocity of shot with the flatness to hit through Nadal if he's really on, not all the time, but enough. And Sitsipas just can't do that. He can't hit through Nadal. Yeah, I I felt like today made Nadal look really fast. I mean, obviously, I know he is really fast, but against Team, he maybe looked a step slow sometimes because of Team's firepower. But he was kind of getting to everything that Sitsipas was throwing at him and getting it back with interest. And I felt kind of midway through that second set, I felt it would be a, kind of a shame if if we don't get to see Nadal in the semi-finals, considering he's playing this well and. You know, so much talk about this being the the main biggest tournament missing from his CV, if you like. And it, it does feel now like, OK, he's lost a match in the group to team, but this feels like a massive chance for him to win this tournament because he hasn't got a full season in his legs, because he is playing so well. And I may sound a bit like a broken record, keep going on about his performance at the Davis Cup finals last year, but... That tennis indoors that he produced there blew me away, and it feels like he's playing on a on a similar level of tennis in this tournament. Maybe not; quite, he doesn't quite have the inspiration that he had representing Spain in Madrid. But the actual tennis he's playing, I think, is fantastic. Mm. With that in mind, him against Medvedev, as we stand right now, I know Medvedev's got another match against Schwartzman, but and and I feel like. Given what happened with team earlier today, and we'll come on to that, that can slightly change how you just feel about a player. At the moment, Medvedev feels just at the top of his game. And and the the prospect of him against Nadal, given what we had at the US Open last year, is something I really am relishing. Yes. Hands up emoji for that one. (laughs) We could do a virtual hands up on Zoom. <laughs> I mean, I just did, but nobody joined me. <laughs> there we go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, have we yeah, not seen? Is, have we not seen that matchup since the 2019 US Open final? We saw it at the O2 last year. We uh, remembered. Oh, that, and it was I the don't know sure that counts. It was when Medvedev was five-one up in the in the decider, I think, and yeah, Nadal he, came back. Oh, and hang won. on. He choked Medvedev. I think yeah. he's been I, very open about that. I, I can't remember that at all. 
That's been happening to me a lot this week, <laughs> yes. Captain, I mean, so I, don't worry about it. I honestly have no memory of that. Tell me some other things about that match that might trigger me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, oh, something I do remember is I composed a tweet when Nadal <laughs> was 5-1 down saying, oh, it's just, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just not, he hasn't got it in his legs today, Nadal. He's given it a good go to make the comeback, but Medvedev's pulled away. And I almost sent it and it lives forever in our tennis podcast drafts. That is where you and David Law are different, isn't it? You're the almost sender. David's the enthusiastic yeah. hit tweet guy. I'm the one who sent it, and then I'm the one I was having to row back <laughs> several several minutes later, uh, or getting exposed by uh, the old takes account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. well, I'm sure there are highlights on YouTube. We can. I think we all need a bit of a memory refresh of that match I'd, I'd actually like to go and watch mm. some of the highlights of the us open one. Oh, that yes too. yes that i mean <laughs> oh yeah Let's just every do point that. of that lives with me um but and yet i mean that sounds like a real thriller coming back from five one down yeah yes but i think the problem was that it was so medvedev Right, induced I, because he really. I, think, fell I honestly don't. Remember, I think I commentated on it, and, I, th- and I, th- I just remember it being deeply uncomfortable when it became apparent that Medvedev no longer had the capacity to play tennis. Mm. <laughs> was there aggro? <laughs> was that the one where he showed sort of quite bad attitude towards Gilles all, Savard all the way through? To be honest, all the way all, yeah. all the way through the tournament. I mean, he was. He was barking at him and, and knocking balls in his direction out of frustration. He was just – he was at the end of his tether for the, for the year, wasn't he? He played all those summer tournaments and, and he just had all he could take, I think. Mm. So, yeah. yeah and well, like but, we say, it'll be interesting with Schwartzman whether – what sort of performance he ends up putting out because mm. he's probably never been in mm. this position before. Th- those of you were uh, listeners in the UK can tune into Prime tomorrow – to watch me talking about that match like I remember every point of it. <laughs> well, you've had a little refresher Ooh, now. We'll Greg, go and get YouTube we all, on. We all remember that match they played here last year. <laughs> Those are words that will that will leave my lips tomorrow. I will have watched the uh, the YouTube highlights by then, so it will be, be you know, yeah. a credible claim. And they'll all be looking at your hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you just know, a distraction. That's what it is. <laughs> um, so Nadal's through and, um, yeah, Sid Sebas goes and has a bit of a holiday, you would imagine. Um, the other... What? S- what? A holiday's, holidays on a thing. thing. Holidays on <laughs> a thing, David. <laughs> Probably is where he lives. He lives in the south of France, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure things are going swimmingly in the south of France. No, but he can have a rest, can't he? I mean, he's living at the Moritoglu Academy or whatever it is. Yeah, a rest will be having nightmares about Rafael Nadal. That's what a rest yeah, looks true. like for Stefano Sitsipas. <laughs> Possibly yeah. recording more sort of isolation tapes uh, with bottles of Corona in the foreground. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> his yes, his that, rain jacket on. <laughs> yeah. That was a low point for the year. One of, one of many. <laughs> um, uh, just had a sort of symbolic feel to it didn't it that one um the uh the other singles match 
was Dominic team getting beaten by Andre Rublev. So well done, Andre Rublev, for getting on the mark uh, this tournament. I think uh, I think you'll appreciate finishing at least on a winning note. But that was the the most dead of dead rubbers, wasn't it? And from from right at the start, I, I was unenthused about the prospect of watching it. I, di- I didn't watch much of it, to be honest, um, which I think says something in its own right. I, I tuned in because I wanted to see what, just generally, whether it was backing up the theory that I would have had beforehand, uh, that it's a bit of a non-entity, and it and it kind of was. I mean, in 6-2 first set um, to, to Rublev, and team what I like about team is he didn't try and make any excuses he didn't try to pretend that it's not natural in terms of its feel to play a match like that when you've already qualified he said you can't you just don't have the intensity simple as that and the same thing happened last year he'd beaten Federer and Novak Djokovic in the first two matches and then he lost to Berrettini in the third match and Quite clearly, he was saving his energy for the weekend ahead. And I know that the pundits with you, Catherine, were speculating about whether this kind of performance from team impacts him going ahead, you know, in these in these semifinals and potentially a final. And, you know, that that drop off. Can you can you regain your intensity? And I mean, he did manage it last year completely in the semifinals and final. He played very well, but it is difficult because there's no other tournament where you have to do it. So it's not like it's really something that you can get used to. But given that it worked for him last year, I don't have, I don't really have too many uh, doubts that he'll be able to pick up his form again at the weekend. Yeah, Greg, Greg Rosetsky in particular was very critical, actually, of, of team um, not... It wasn't a tank today, but he... He went on to court, you know, with a with a quota of energy that he was prepared to expend. Um, he couldn't get up for it, could he? Yeah, really? he, he and, couldn't and get he up for wasn't... it, and his game is so explosive; it requires. Yeah, yeah, it it it, it requires sort of explosive energy. Yes. Um, in all regards to to make it work. Um, yeah, Greg was very critical of his sort of decision to to let momentum lapse and thought it might end up hurting him in the long run of the tournament i don't get to give my opinion on prime because it's not my role but i do i do disagree um partly because of what what matt said he's shown last year um that 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 didn't that taking that approach didn't didn't trouble him in the long run and also i think you know I do think it's a bit different from Medvedev because they're different types of player. Medvedev is a momentum player. Um, you know, looked at another way, as we've discussed this week, he's a streaky player, potentially. I, I think team is kind of better better configured to sort of turn it turn it on and off. I yeah. don't I don't doubt his ability to mm. to to pick up where he left off a couple of games ago a couple of days ago. Um, in the next round, but but Medvedev Schwartzman tomorrow might might be different because he's he's momentum guy. Every, everything about the last couple of years of his career has shown that you know he he is a guy that gets on a roll. And it's especially tricky for Medvedev 
to kind of know what to do because he hasn't got a day off. You know, he's playing the evening mm. match tomorrow. I would guess he would play the evening semi-final then the next day. And, you know, ordinarily that's that's something that they would do most weeks of the year, play back-to-back matches about 24 hours apart. But in the back of his mind, he will probably know, I don't need to beat Schwartzman. I could take the foot off the pedal a little bit rather than risk getting dragged into a two-and-a-half, three-hour baseline marathon with Schwartzman when you've then got to play Nadal the next day. It it is very difficult mentally, um, especially, I think, not having a day off. I think it's an even harder situation for Medvedev. Mm. Paul Schwartzman, we haven't even mentioned him, has he? He's he's an extra. I was going to say supporting actor, but... Maybe even extra. Hmm. Well, he'll Sorry, get his, I mean, he'll, he'll get a chance to. Well, hopefully, from his perspective, do a Rublev and at least get on the board and have a nice memory to go home with. But um, <laughs> I, I agree. I don't. I don't think Medvedev will be allowing that. Mm. I, I mean, he might get mm. beaten, but I don't. I agree. I do not see Medvedev dropping his level. Like, and I don't. I don't. Team said I wanted to win. But it's not the same, hmm. and and he also said, "Look, I beat Sitsipas and I beat Nadal, and it took a lot out of me. You know, it's it's hard to do that um, when they're playing that well. I mean, Sitsipas was playing well that first day. Um, he said, "I want to go into my next practice and be absolutely full of." of energy ready and intensity ready to go for it. And you could tell that in whatever practice session he had today, the intensity wouldn't have been in that either. Whereas Medvedev absolutely dominates the head-to-head against Schwartzman. He's he's beaten him very handily on multiple occasions, including just last week in, in Paris in similar conditions. So I agree. I think Medvedev will back himself probably to go out there, play like he normally does and kind of get the job done in straight sets and not yeah. even have to worry about it. Mm. It's a bit like uh, the, the football team that decides they will go up 3-0 and then make substitutions rather than resting players, isn't it? Um, mm. Not that my team gets to do any of that. It's <laughs> an alien concept. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. The doubles was great today, wasn't it? I mean, there was a lot going on with the doubles. And uh, I mean, the, the headline from from certainly a British perspective and obviously the live match there was that Joe Salisbury has reached the semifinals for the first time alongside his American partner, Rajiv Ram. And it was last year that they went out, didn't they, in the group stages. And I remember feeling on his behalf that he would have regrets after that. Uh, group stage exit last year so to win through this time in a really really tight match I mean it was winner take all wasn't it and huge credit to them that they got over the line there yeah I mean those doubles matches are so so intense I mean the the first match of the day I was thinking god my you know my my first broadcast today is going to be talking about a a dead doubles rubber with no crowd I mean, that is a tough sell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I ended up watching completely mesmerised. I mean, okay, not the entire match start to finish, you know, without looking at my phone or anything, but there were points of that match where the intensity of the players just kind of hypnotised me. I mean, that match tiebreak... Um, it was, this was the Kubot Mello dead rubber match, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, Kubot Mello, who had, had played two, lost two, and had no chance of qualifying against Kulhoff and Mektic, who were guaranteed to uh, to win the group. Uh, and and actually, during the course of the match, the rumour had broken, and I saw it via um, Enrico Riva's uh, Twitter account, uh that the sort of rumoured, more specific details about the rumoured uh, doubles partnership changes for next year. Um, and it's all so incestuous, I actually can't remember the specifics. Kulhoff is rumoured to be playing with, with Kubot. Kulhoff and Kubot sounds good. I think that's probably why they reached the decision that that should happen. So, <laughs> so they were on opposite sides of the net today and have agreed to play together next year. Uh, Mektic is going to play with Pavic. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say Mello, and then it would be just no. so neat. Mello with Roger. Mello with Jean-Julien Roger. Crikey, uh, this really is musical partners. And uh, how, oh, well, I'll get on to that. Hang on. I'll I'll finish off my my <laughs> my dead, dead doubles rubber with no crowd story, which everyone has tuned in for today. Um, they, they, Kubot and Mello cried. They were in tears after winning their dead doubles rubber at the O2 with no crowd and no atmosphere because, well, I don't, I don't want to put words into their mouth, I guess, because it was their last ever match as a team and perhaps because of what a 
challenging year it has been and perhaps because the money just that that one win uh, brought in is significant for them um and you know uh, who who knows why but it was incredibly emotional um and yeah i i i my enjoyment of tennis almost always directly correlates with how high the stakes are how much how much people care how much jeopardy is involved mm um, and I loved it. I loved that first doubles match, and I was expecting that to be the low point of my week. Um, and yeah, the 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 footnote of the, or perhaps well, a lot more than a footnote from a British perspective of the the doubles uh, speed dating uh, is that Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez are getting the band back together. That was that one really came out of the blue mm. for me. Did you have any feeling on that at all? No, I mean my my understanding is that all of this, all of these changes. Okay, teams might have been thinking about an an unspecific change for a while, but the specifics of who will go with who, a lot of that has come about this week. A lot of those conversations wow. have happened this week. And, um, and Kubot, Kubot and Mello had been together. I'm reading here certainly since 2016. Mm, you know, it's mm. long partnership and they were Wimbledon champions in 2017 it's about you know, as long as it gets in doubles these days it is actually and, and I mean we were talking about this earlier who was it Mies and Kravitz that have been together for about three years something like that yes yeah. which is quite which felt feels like I, a long time I just I described it on prime as they've been playing together for such a long time they mostly played on the Challenger Tour and then made their breakthrough out of nowhere, winning the French Open last year. And, of course, somebody tweeted me to say, actually, they've only played together since the start of 2018. Well, I mean, it's, it is, in <laughs> relatively speaking, that's a long time, as mm. you say. I mean, Skupski and, um, and Murray basically only did a year and mm. a bit together, didn't they? Mm. Um, I mean, I'm entirely speculating this year, and it's not a fully formed theory, but I do just wonder if a lot of partnerships for last year were formed or maybe perhaps even the year before with a sort of longer range view were formed with the olympics in mind um yeah, maybe, and maybe, maybe the, that's it. i mean okay the olympics is rescheduled i mean i i believe there's potential for the olympics still not not well of course there's potential for the olympics still not to go ahead i do just wonder if that is featured either in decision-making this time around or had featured in decision-making about partners a year ago. I don't know. I mean, it it is so incestuous, yes. isn't it? It's It feels like it's more incestuous than it's ever been. Is that how and you I, perceive I, I it remember, as well? I remember about 13 years ago interviewing Jamie Murray and Eric Buterak. <laughs> <laughs> who uh, were who who that was Jamie Murray's first really notable doubles partnership because they got themselves into the top fifty as a partnership and and Buterak these days works for the U.S. Open helping to put that tournament on does the player relations and all that sort of thing, but they they did this interview and they said you know there's a lot of the divorce rate is pretty high in doubles they were saying and I mean I remember after that. Um, Murray had he had about forty partners uh, be mm. before he ended up hooking up with John Pierce and having great success with him, and then following that with Bruno Suarez and having even more success. Um, 
But interestingly, that Joe Salisbury said that he and Rajiv Ram are staying together for next year. Mm. They they will carry on. They're, I mean, they've won the Australian Open doubles uh, this year together. And he actually said in his press conference, he said, I think sometimes doubles teams jump the gun in breaking up. And I thought, I mean, he was trying, he was being careful not to slag anybody off or seem like he's criticizing because, you know, it's it's a personal view as to whether you stay or, or go. But he said, you know, sometimes he feels it takes time to build up whatever chemistry a doubles team needs. And and I think I think that's really interesting and it will make me watch them next year versus some of these new partnerships probably more closely as a result. Yeah, I don't think the chopping and changing does doubles much help. I, I find no. it I find it really difficult to in, engage with a with a selection of teams which are all new and I've got absolutely no kind of narrative or story. I think that's why Kubot and Mello was so emotional today because we know they have this mm-hmm. history together. We know they've been through a lot together and it was, you know, for them a kind of end of an era, I suppose. And all the all the doubles teams I enjoy watching are because I kind of trust in their partnership and their relationship with each other and that they go through highs and lows. I mean, the just say my air bear my <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's basically what I mean. Um, but even you know, what even we're as far as a marriage doubles is bromance. Yes, just <laughs> it's really all we want. <laughs> we, we just want scenes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> at the end of a match we want tears we want scenes we want to be moved <laughs> that's want, all, it, all it's about we want Mao accidentally announcing Air Bear's engagement <laughs> it's not too much to ask is that what it was? <laughs> yes I think so yeah happy memories this time last year I think wasn't it? yeah oh. and we want them to right. match outfits feel very strong yes, about that, that. That's with also names on the back and we want alliterations between surnames. Um, <laughs> well, Kuhlhoff and Kubot are trying to deliver for you there, David. Yeah, exactly. So I'm quite pleased with them. Um, right. So, uh, by the way, Joe Salisbury, at the end of his press conference, was awarded another sign of our times. He was awarded with the Lawn Tennis Writers Association Player of the Year Award on Zoom over the internet rather than in the Wimbledon Debentures Lounge in December at a fancy lunch, which is what we would normally be doing. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, congratulations to him. I think it's a, a sign of, of how well he's done, how, how well he's sort of cut through, because for quite a while I would see Joe Salisbury in a draw and see Britain next to his name and think, I really don't even know who that is. Um, and he didn't get probably the the attention that his results warranted because we hadn't really told his story yet. And he's just bit by bit broken through into our consciousness. And he's from Putney. Yes. And I thought Tim Hemman said something interesting early on in the week, how he got to know him a bit during the ATP Cup this year and said what really struck him is how kind of not confident he is because he's got so much ability but doesn't, doesn't, talk about himself in really grand terms and that makes him very likable I think but he's I think he's really started to come out of his shell a bit in the last couple of years and that's that's helped him on the court as well and yeah he's some of the half volleys and the pickups he played 
and Ram actually in that in that deciding set tiebreak today were just astonishingly good. Yeah, it's, was- Tim Hemman. Sorry, David. Tim Hemman um, described Jay Salisbury's volleys as okay, so <laughs> Federer esque. <laughs> Joe Salisbury, if you're listening, you have been compared to Roger Federer. How did uh, how did Nadal and Tsitsipas get on in the volley ratings today? Well, by, I got uh, Tim Hemming? I sort of made Tim tie himself in knots. The debate now is about what Tim Hemming means by the word okay. Um, <laughs> That's what the his, debate and, always should have well, been. Well, yes, yeah, I guess so. And what That's what uh, made and me a how for his uh, and the relative the, the the scale of his adjective. So is decent, which is how he described Nadal's volleys, is decent better than okay? <laughs> That's where we're at with it. Right. Okay. So we'll get back to you tomorrow he after Tim's had a night's sleep. Both Nadal and Sitsipas as decent volleyers. Um, right. And he said w- w- that they should consider that high praise. I mean, you did start a numbering system with him, and I think it's time to put well, words he, he to numbers. Well, he said because uh, uh, when Daniela challenged challenged him, she's she said, uh, "Sorry, Tim, my English isn't good enough to interpret." what's better out of decent and okay and i'm thinking that is that's not a translation issue daniela yeah Yeah. uh tim sort of panicked and said maybe i should maybe i should do this in terms of numbers and i think he described nadal and sitzapas and federer as a six out of ten ish but i think he's going to he pledged to formalize that scale yeah, I, I think that feels like a bit of a cop. Yeah, mm. I want a laminated piece of paper by the end of the week. <laughs> we'll work on it, Matt. <laughs> Quite right. Um, okay, so Salisbury in the double semis on Saturday. And we don't know. Do we know who they're going to play yet? I don't know. No, because no. tomorrow in the Bob Bryan group... Yes. <laughs> um, all scenarios are possible. Oh, goodness. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to yeah. go into all of them, but all four teams are still in play. Oh, fantastic. So okay, no well, dead doubles, rubbers with no crowd tomorrow. Disappointing because apparently they are the peak of excitement. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so Friday's first match at 12 is going to be Mate Pavic and Bruno Suarez. I mean, that's an interesting one, isn't it? The fact that they are breaking up and mm. they are the world number one current doubles team. And they just they just won the US Open and got to the French Open final. Mm. It's I mean, like... I, 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 it, I want to know. I want, when they come into the press conference tomorrow, I want to ask them what happened. It's like when a, <laughs> a couple go on, like, you know, the one last holiday or or you or have one last Christmas before getting divorced. That's the thing, isn't it? Divorce lawyers, well, busiest month is one, January. One of them throws the other one a big party. Because nobody wants to get divorced just before Christmas, it. even if you're miserable. So <laughs> you'll hang on in there. I'm not even sure Pavic and Suarez are married. They've barely been going out long enough to be married. <laughs> and yet they've, and yet they've, this, hit, they've got to world number times. one. Mm. It, that, it's, it's just they a whirlwind so romance. Mm, exactly. It felt so right at the time. They seem such a good fit. Oh. Anyway, so anyway, but the Pavic and Suarez are playing Piers and Venus. Wedding. Are they staying together? Or? Sorry? Any... any 
any peers in Venus? No. Well, I, I've humiliated myself. The one one opinion that I did give, despite it not being asked for and uh, all relevant on the prime coverage, is that I thought Michael Venus and John Piers. Actually, no, this was off air, wasn't it? Oh, it's all blending in. I, I thought that John <laughs> Piers and uh, Michael Venus were for the chop because I didn't think much of their body language together. Um, I think you said it on, I the think it was on the podcast. Last night. It was yeah. on the podcast, right? Yeah, I'm recycling so much material across all of my platforms <laughs> that it's difficult to tell what's what. Um, but no, they are not one of the teams that's rumored to split. So my career mm. as a body language expert is over. Right. Sorry okay. to have misled you all. Not to worry. Uh, and then after that, it's Novak Djokovic against Alexander Zverev in the live singles match of the two. Um, what do you think? Who's going to win? I found them both a bit unconvincing. I think Djokovic will. But I think Djokovic is the better player. So if they're both yeah. Yeah. Not, not quite at their best, obviously Djokovic wins. Hmm. Matt, yeah? Nothing else to add. No. Uh, right. In the evening session, uh, there is the Marcel Granoyas and Horacio Zabias doubles partnership. Any idea? They're staying together? Against Meltzer, who's retiring early next year. I think he wants to get one Australian Open in, doesn't we he? We say retiring mm. again. Well, you told me he'd retired 10 years ago. Well, he's 39. Uh, yeah. Uh, Meltzer and Edouard Roger Vassalin. Uh that's the doubles match from 5.45 tomorrow, it says. Yeah, yeah. I, Edward um, Roger Vassalin didn't feature in the rumour mill. He's okay. the, he's the uh, you know, appealing lady sat at the bar waiting to be chatted up. There's a 1950s course, yeah. analogy for you that you <laughs> didn't he, see coming from my mouth. Particularly from you, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. Yeah. This is the most we've ever talked about doubles. It's 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 now clear why. (laughs) Uh, And then we've got Medvedev against um, Schwartzman in the evening. So um, yeah, good day in store. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Catherine, go and get yourself to bed. Um, I've got I've got to brush out my wefts first. I'm going to have to (laughs) look that up and properly. Oh, that is gross. It's just hair. That looks like an animal. It's just hair. Yeah, I know, but it's like in your hand. I'm just not used to seeing that. Okay. I've, have you ever seen that before, Matt? Never. <laughs> is, is that always in your hair, no matter the styling? No. Right. No. Mix it, I mean, up, mix it up. She's been doing this stuff for two or three years. This is the first week I knew that this happened. <laughs> I just thought that was your hair. So it's obviously a good job. Yeah, it quite often is. Quite often is. Yeah. like to keep people on their toes. Yeah. Don't put me on my toes. My head will go through the roof. Um, so. The frequency of your dad jokes, <laughs> David. <laughs> frequency or quality? <laughs> no. My, my daughter would have been guffawing at that one. Yeah. She loved it. So anyway, my son would have been rolling his eyes. He's eight. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's another edition of the Tennis Podcast. Have we got any shout-outs, Matt? Yes, we do. For 
Evo Gielis. Evo. We've never had an Evo before. That's fantastic. Where's Evo from? Do we know? No. <laughs> Let us know, Evo. Where are you from? I remember Thanks for your I was support. at the 2004 um, US Open as a fan with my dad sat watching Tim Henman against Evo Karlovic. It was quite the battle. Um, and there was a, there was a, a group of uh, very enthusiastic British tennis fans in front of us that were... We're trying to cheer on Tim, and uh, but they also engaged in some dastardly tactics to try and um, distract Ivo Karlovic because they were sort of behind the behind the baseline, and they were they did a sort of slow low Evo Evo, <laughs> and uh, yeah, did it work? So. Uh, no, Tim Hemman won that match, I think, in four sets. So it did work? Well, I guess so, yes. Yeah, put him off. I mean, maybe Tim was good too, but anyway. Uh, who else yes, we got? Yes, he reached the semi-finals that year. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you recalled that story so effortlessly. It, it's a story that uh, my dad and I often um, remember. Right. It's well, a lovely not, story. Perhaps not often. <laughs> well, now we all know it's about a fond it. Mo- it so. was a real, you know, we were out in New York at the US Open yes. for the first time watching Tim Hemman. So e- right. e- Evo gets himself a shout out and we've learnt all this yeah. as a result of his name. Well, isn't that lovely? Evo. So Evo, thanks for <laughs> thanks right. your support. Got any stories for this one? <laughs> <laughs> Gorav Bagger. No, it's a great name. Did you say Gorav? Gorav Bagger. Is that Goran but with one letter difference? No, it's oh. G-A-U-R-A-V. Oh, that's a Gorav splendid Bagger. name. Where are you from, Gorav? Yeah. I want to I know. People, when they sign up for this yes. shout-out, I need, need more info. Yeah, we do need more info, don't we? Yeah, if Although we're going to I, dissect I quite... all of your names in this much detail, <laughs> I... we need more information. Well, I do quite enjoy the guesswork and the, uh, the tangents that it seems to throw up. So what else? Have we got another one, Matt? Yes, finally, William Colon. William Good man, William. Thank you very much for your support. Hello, William. Like the prince. <laughs> and, and, other, mean, and other Williams I've, everywhere. I've just been accused of dad jokes. That's not a joke. That's, that's what we get. An observation. Yeah, that's what it is. Right, William Catherine, I think Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> she goes for every William in the world. And, 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 and colon, like the punctuation mark. Yes. <laughs> I feel like there's a semicolon <laughs> joke in there somewhere that I'm too tired to come up with. Is any? It doesn't matter because no one's still listening. No, I mean if I'd have turned off by now, I tell you, uh, I've not even had a beer. I'm on tea and I'm talking this nonsense. So anyway, yeah, they're all lovely people. Lovely people. Are, thank we you thank very, them very much. much. We do, we do. So we will be back again with another show tomorrow. If you're enjoying the tennis podcast, I mean, I can understand if you're not. But if you are, uh, tell your friends, tell people you know, um, so that we can hopefully grow the audience a bit and, um, and yeah, get more more shout-out names to dissect. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow after the final round-robin stages. I'm looking forward to it already. See you tomorrow. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 